is concerned about ins and outs of our everyday life. He's there for us. This is sort of the God. He's not some great big God that's out there somewhere. He's actually here. And as we're going through a new series, we're going to be talking about how he's actually right here in each one of us. If we ask, he says, if you ask, you will have my spirit. You know, God's never been one to force himself. That wouldn't be love, and that wouldn't give us the freedom of choice. I was sorry I missed last week. It was quite an exciting week as we launch our vision for the year. But, you know, I really want to say thanks to Lockie and to Murray, who did an excellent job of really, you know, setting, casting that vision for this year. And our theme, Following the Way. And so right through this year, we're going to be following the way. And the way is Jesus. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. How do we do this as a church? Well, they presented last week, you know, our vision to draw our community into a loving relationship with Jesus. That's been our vision for quite a while now, and most of you know it. If you're a visitor today, you know, I think you'll say, well, that that sounds like a good Good purpose, good reason to be here. And we have a method that we're following to reach that, as, as Lockie presented last week. And that method is a simple four-step process. It's, a, it's really what we call our discipleship program. And we want everyone to be disciples because when Christ dies for us and we accept that, we straight away become his followers, which is his disciple. A disciple is a follower of Christ. And there's a four steps to Know him. And again, these steps aren't one step that I I take and then I move on to the next step. I continue to know him every day. Finding freedom. Well, that's something, again, that's a step, an important step. And one of the methods we do is is encouraging people to be part of life groups. And we have a new app now. If you haven't downloaded the app, the um, Church Center app, please do. You can sign up for groups. You can show your interest in life groups there. And we want to encourage people to be coming together because that's where you really find freedom, connecting. Not just coming here on Sabbath and worshiping and going and then not connecting with other people. God wants us to have connections, connections with him and connections with people. And then to discover purpose. And last week you had the opportunity to sign up for our new growth track. You're going to be hearing a lot about the growth track because this is really how anyone can come into church, know what we're on about, and know what God's created them, their purpose, that God has a reason for you to be here. He's given you uh, talents and gifts, and he's made you unique for a reason, and that was is to serve others. And we want to help you to do that, to serve within this church and to serve the community. And then that's really the fourth step is actually once you've kind of discovered that, then actually doing it, making a difference. And we're really going to be trying to keep this simple because sometimes Christianity can get very complex. Um, you know, being a disciple, wow, there's an awful lot to learn. You know, the Bible seems like a, a fairly simple book, but the more you get into it, the more deep and, and, and complex it can be. But Jesus didn't come to make things more complicated. Actually, is the more we look to Jesus, the more we see that he came to actually make it simple, to actually tell us that he's come to do it for us, that all we have to do 
is accept that great gift. As we go through this um, process, and we're doing a four-part series. It's called Steps to Personal Revival. And I have a book that goes along with this, and these books are available at the help desk. Okay, for $5, I would encourage you to pick up one of these books and work your way through it because if we're really going to draw our community into a loving relationship with Jesus, we as a people, each one individually, need to have a relationship with Jesus. How can we draw someone else if we're not experiencing that ourselves? And this is really what this whole series is about, about us having that personal connection on a daily basis, being filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, does that mean you have any emptiness? If something's full, it's full to the rim. It's being baptized by the Holy Spirit. When you're baptized, you're immersed, you're completely under. We want to be a Spirit-filled people. And to be a Spirit-filled people, we need to daily connect with God. And that's what really what this series is going to be about as we work through um, a lot of the principles that's presented in this book. And I want to encourage you to pick up a copy of this book. You don't have to pay for it today. Pick it up. Bring the money next week. We're not that worried. We want you to have it. And we want you to start prayerfully going through it. It's a very, not, not a hard read, but it's an important read. Especially if you want to really experience transformation in your life. You know, many people go through their lives living the Christian life and they miss really what it's about. And it's about surrendering to self and accepting God and His power and His Holy Spirit to work through us. So the first step that I'm going to cover today of having personal revival is actually to know the good news and to accept it. What's the good news? Good news is the gospel. The good news is that Jesus came to die for us. That, you know, there was a problem. As the Bible tells us in Genesis, God created this wonderful world. He created mankind. And he wanted a relationship with him. He had a relationship with him. In Genesis 2, he would come and spend time with Adam and Eve there in the garden. But unfortunately, in chapter 3 of Genesis, sin came in. And when sin came in, that separated us from God. But God wants to reconnect with us. He wants to live life and live it to the full. You know, that great verse in John 10.10, He's come that we may have life and that we may have it more abundantly. You know, God wants us to start now, not wait until we go to heaven. He wants us to live abundantly now. Here in 2021 and still in the middle of a pandemic, God wants us to thrive and live abundantly. And we can do that if we're filled with the Spirit and knowing who we are and that we're here for a reason. We know where we've come from. We know why we're here and we know where we're going. That's really crucial things. Many people go through their whole lives just trying to find the answers to those questions. And God tells us in his word that we have not just happened by chance. But unfortunately, because of sin that happened way back there in the Garden of Eden, that we are all born spiritually dead. You know, we're, we're physically born, um, and, um, you know, we're spiritually, though, dead. And that's why we have to be born again. 
And at birth, we receive a physical birth. We get life, a physical life. But we are spiritually dead. And Jesus says, hey, he wants us to come and be born again. And so I ask you today, are you born again? You know, you don't have to answer, but in your own mind, are you really born again? You know, if you are, you will know it. If you're not, I would encourage you to prayerfully, you start going through this book and to know that, God, I want to be born again. If you've never been baptized and following Jesus' example of being baptized in the water, you know, come and talk to myself or Lockyer or one of the elders and the leaders. We want to see you make that commitment. It's not something that maybe I should do. Jesus says, this is, a, this is what I want you to do. I'm showing you an example. This is to accept my death, my burial, and resurrection for you. This is about you being spiritually born again because something was wrong with our physical birth to start with, and that is that we were born sinners. And so we need to be transformed. We need to be revived. And that's really what we're looking at in this series We need to be revived because we're spiritually dead. And the definition of revival is a process in which something starts to grow, develop, or become successful again. All of us have, as I've said already, have been born sinners. We're spiritually dead. But God wants to take something and he wants to change it. And, you know, some of us have been Christians a long time, but we need to be um, regenerated. We need to be revived um, when I was at university at Southern College in, in Chattanooga, Tennessee, in a place called Collegedale, I was living with a cousin of mine, and she had three girls. And the youngest girl, Emily, um, was just a baby. I think she was under a year of age, right around a year, probably less. And when I was living there, a, a really scary incident happened. I heard some commotion. I was living downstairs in the basement And I'd come upstairs, and I heard Donna, my cousin, panicking and calling out. And Emily had had a seizure, and she had stopped breathing. And she basically was turning blue. The oxygen was stopped going through her body. Well, I had been trained as as a lifeguard, a lifesaver, so I didn't know CPR. And so I quickly grabbed um, Emily and... um, I helped to get her breathing again, and in a way, I guess I revived her. And, you know, that's what we need. We need revival. How many of us today are spiritually dead, and we need to be revived? And as a church, I want to see us revived. I want to see us thriving because we are filled with the Holy Spirit, and God is using us to minister to our community and minister to our Brothers and sisters in church, you know, so often church can have so many problems within the church that we lose focus on what we're really meant to be doing, what our purpose is. Now, we're all humans and we have disagreements and sometimes we don't all see eye to eye, but I must say I am so thrilled to be part of a church that I feel is really joining together in unity, looking to do our best to serve God. And to be the best church to reach all generations, from the young ones to the older ones. To reach all nationalities. to No matter what gender or, or what nationality you are, what age you are, we want to be a church that brings Jesus Christ to you and that is relevant to you. But again, we, 
realize that we have a need. And, and, and until we find that God in our lives, we're going to always have that need. And a lot of people go through their lives and they somehow try to fill this um, God-shaped hole, I've heard it called, that we have in our heart. And they go out and they try to earn more money or they try to gain um, more power or they try to get a better job somehow. And, and the more they get, the, the, it never fills that hole. And I'm telling you, nothing will satisfy like God will. Uh, C.S. Lewis says this. Oh, there it is. Sorry about that. I think my slides were a little out of order. If you find ourselves with a desire that nothing in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that we were made for another world. You know, we were actually made for another world. We are actually foreigners here. And Jesus tells us that. And he says, hey, you actually have a place where you were ultimately designed to be. And I want to help you and reconnect you to be part of that. And um, as we look at why God created us to start with, you know, it's because he wanted a relationship with us, and, and that's a great truth. And as we go through this, though, we find out because um, in Romans 3.23, it tells us how many have sinned? All. Now, if we go back to um, the Greek, what do you reckon that word all means? Any, any uh, Greek experts out there? I'm sure there are. Well... I've got some great insight. It means all of you. It means every man, woman, and child. It means every person. It means all, okay? So it's, it's pretty straightforward. All have sinned, every one of us. And we fall short of the glory of God. And because of this, we've been separated from God. Why? Because of sin. You know, God will not be corrupted. He can't be corrupted by sin. It totally separated us. It broke that connection when sin came in. And that's why there has to be a way to reconnect, a way to make up that connection. In Romans 6.23, it says, For the wages, the wages is something you owe. The wages we owe is death. But what the what gift? Free gift. Free. Does that mean I have to do anything to get it? Does that mean I have to make sure that I never miss a day in church, that I make sure I, I do this and I do this and I don't do that and I don't do this? You know, No, it's a free gift. And so often we get caught up as human beings with just following the rules. And as we look at the Bible and we look at especially Jesus when he was here on this earth, he came and says, guys, you've missed the point. You're following so many rules that you forgot. It's about a relationship with me. It's about love. It's about knowing me. It's not about following rules. Sure, the commandments and rules in the Bible are there for a reason. It helps to show us what sin is. But let's not lose sight of what's most important. And it's all about love, loving God, loving others. And God sent his son Jesus, and Jesus died on that cross. He paid that price. He's the link. Jesus is the way back to God. Pretty simple, isn't it? Not too complicated. Let's keep it simple. 
because sometimes it gets so complicated that people just throw out the um, bath with the water. You know, it's just, um, did I say that wrong? The baby with the bath water, right? It didn't sound right. In John 13, 35, Jesus says, Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. How many of us here today are his disciples? Well, you know, I think many of you are. Some of you maybe are questioning. But again, as I said earlier, if you've chosen to accept Jesus and his sacrifice on the cross, if you've chosen to invite him into your heart, then you are his disciples. And so therefore, how do we show that? By love. And often people say, oh, well, it's, you know, it can't be all about love. Well, love is an actual essential ingredient. Without love, it's not real. It's absolutely important. Well, as we read here in John 14, and, and if you look at the chapters 14, 15, and 16 of John, it's really kind of Jesus' farewell address because you're leading up to the cross. And, in, and after John um, 16, you get into 17, and that's the Garden of, uh, of Gethsemane, and when Jesus prayed his final prayer before he went to his crucifixion. But here in John 14 is some great, powerful verses. And I want to start here at the beginning of the chapter. And here Jesus says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Why do you think Jesus said that to his disciples? Well, you know, if you read right through these chapters, and I would encourage you to do that, prayerfully read through those chapters of John. Even if you go back to chapter 13 as well, you can, it sets the scene. You see how the disciples are missing the point. And even as his disciples today, we often miss the point. We don't understand the full picture. And that's what we want to do as a church is to learn to help us all grow where we're at in our knowledge of Jesus Christ. Trust in God. Trust also in me, Jesus says. There is more than enough room in my Father's home. You know, this, this word home in some translations, it's, it's translated mansions, but it's really not talking about a physical place. It's more talking about abiding. The original word there is about being where you can abide with me where you can stay with me and abide and be there, remain there permanently. And Jesus says, I've, I'm going away to prepare a place for you. And when everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you always be with me where I am. And, and this puzzles the disciples. See, they had no idea. They somehow thought that Jesus was going to set up a kingdom here on this earth, that he was going to rule. And, and this just totally through him. Why is he going away? You know, this is all coming to a climax. We're waiting for him to become king and rule here on this earth. And as we read on, it says, and you know the way to where I'm going. And then the words of Thomas, he says, no, we don't know. Now, Thomas, we actually don't know a lot about Thomas. There's not a whole lot we hear in the Bible, but he, he, basically gets the reputation from this as being Doubting Thomas. You ever heard of the word Doubting Thomas? And it's a bit of a hard label that we've put on him. But, you know, sometimes do we get labels maybe we don't deserve because we did something or said something, and it sticks with us. You know, poor Thomas, you know, I don't know if he really deserves to be called Doubting Thomas. I think all the disciples were pretty good at doubting. 
But um, we know Thomas, because of this, is known as Doubting Thomas. We have no idea where you're going, so how can we know the way, Thomas says. And then Jesus replies, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that powerful? Jesus. All the Bible is about Jesus. This is the key. You know, there's a, there's a verse here in John 5 where it says, and you, you, you have your heads in your Bibles constantly because you think you'll find eternal life there. So Jesus is saying, you know, these guys, they, they actually knew the Scripture. But, but again, they missed the important thing, and that's Jesus. But you miss the forest for the trees. These scriptures are about me, Jesus says. You see, we can know scripture, but if we don't know Jesus, we've missed the important bit. We've missed the point. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And so Jesus... made this promise to his disciples that he was going away, that he was coming back. Why was he coming back? Because he wants to be with us. He wants to have that relationship with us. And here in John 16, the next chapter, or two chapters over, verse 7, he says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is your advantage that I go away, for if I don't go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. This helper, this is the Holy Spirit. And the reason that's more powerful, because Jesus had to be there in a physical sense. The Holy Spirit can be with us all at once. He can be with you and you and you and me all at the same time. You know, is that mind-blowing? We don't understand, but that's what Jesus is saying. You know, it's going to be better when I go because you don't rely on me to be with you in the physical sense. I'm with you in the spiritual sense. I'm going to be living inside you. Your body is my temple. I'm going to breathe be abiding there with you even now you know that's a, a beautiful thing is Jesus living in you do you feel his spirit are you surrendering to his spirit you know the last verse I want to wind up with today we'll be continuing with this topic because it's a big topic for the next three weeks after this but here in Luke 9, 23, and then he said to the crowd, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross, how often? Daily, and follow me. Now, a lot of people read this and they think, Oh, taking up my cross means I'm to suffer daily. No, I think what this is talking about is us simply surrendering to God and being filled with His Spirit. How often? Daily. You know, I know we all fall short. You know, some days I have to go through and I'm just doing it Mike Collins' way. You know, I think I can, you know, I like being in control. And then I fall flat on my face and I say, God, I did it again. You maybe too have had these experiences. Most of you probably have. But don't be discouraged. God's not there to say, you've 
failed. I'm not going to accept you anymore. He continues to say, hey, I want you to get up. I want you to grow. I want to be with you. I want you to die daily. I want a daily work in you. As you surrender and are filled with my spirit on a daily basis, I'm going to transform you and change you into be more like me. And so, folks, I hope and pray that we can all daily make a commitment to Jesus. Daily surrender. You know, take up your crosses about me saying, hey, I'm not going to do it my way. God is much wiser. He knows the end from the beginning. I want to rely on Him. He knew the coronavirus pandemic was going to happen long before it happens. He knows when it's going to come to an end. He knows what's going to be after that. And I just need to trust Him day by day. And I hope and pray that you'll do that. Thank you.